0: listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode.
1: scripture um, before we have a very special guest preacher um, Lucky Arnold's going to come up but I'm going to read the scripture and then Keith is going to introduce him so I'm going to read the scripture from Acts 2 42 through 47 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thank you, Sarah Claire. Um, this is the fun of summer. Get to move the table back with people traveling. We, we also had a wedding here last night. Uh, Jordan Smith and Maddie Milliken got remarried uh, for the second time uh, this year and that was a lot of fun celebrating their um, wedding last night. Uh, I got a text from Drew and uh, at 6 a.m. saying that uh, the child that they were adopting, the mother's uh, water had broken, and they were supposed to be doing uh, the wedding yesterday, and so at 3 p.m., this is not something that happens in Jordan's life on a regular basis, trust me. But at 3 p.m., it was confirmed that Sarah Claire and I would officiate the wedding. So, if you guys are planning on getting married anytime soon, Sarah Claire now does weddings, so um, you can hire her. Uh, I'm really excited about our special guest speaker here tonight. You know, we worked through this book this summer in our Summer of Rest series, uh, "The Deeply Formed Life" by Rich Viotas, and uh, he has a chapter in there on racial reconciliation. And uh, when we did it here for uh, for lunch or breakfast, I can't remember which one it was, um, we had Lucky come and, and share and talk about that topic. And uh, he and I, you know, I worked for Lucky for two years when I first moved here to West Palm Beach and got to sit under his teaching, got to go to a Bible study with myself and three other guys. And I've never taken more notes in my life in a Bible class. Uh, and I've been to seminary, I've been to grad school, and all that. Um, Lucky is a biblical scholar. Uh, he is engaged in things happening um, around the world. And he's served here not only at First Pres North Palm for a long time, but he's also served this city in many capacities, and he's served on boards including here at Palm Beach Atlantic, uh, our neighbor next door. Um, we brought him out of retirement though tonight for this. And, um, you know, we brought him off a of fishing boat. That's one of his passions. Um, but I just am impressed that, uh, lucky in retirement has really, and he, he can share more in his own words, has grown in his sensitivity to the racial realities here in our world. And especially in this country and specifically in the church. So without further ado, please welcome our brother, Lucky Arnold, up here.
3: Well, it is a joy to be at Providencia because before you existed, we were praying about you in North Palm Beach that it was one of our dreams that we would kind of fulfill what we thought was the destiny of First Pres North Palm Beach, because Memorial Presbyterian Church planted back in the 1960s five or six different Presbyterian congregations around Palm Beach County and as far north as Fort Pierce. First Pres North Palm Beach was one of those daughter churches. And in the PCUSA that we were a part of, it was our dream that we would get to plant daughter churches. And we were told that churches don't plant churches. And we're like, well, that's funny, because that's how we came about. And they said, well, we don't do it that way anymore. And so when we left and went into the ECO, Uh, the Evangelical Covenant of Presbyterians, we were really set free to dream new dreams and to plant churches and to partner. And to partner with Memorial Presbyterian Church to see Providencia be birthed was a powerful life-giving thing to our congregation. So that you are and that you are representing the Lord Jesus Christ in the heart of the city feels to us in many ways like we finally grew up. And so, thanks for helping us become parents. And, and I, I also want to say, too, it's great to see Tay and Graham Gooley here. They grew up with our boys and were terrorists on the soccer field. <clears throat> they were hated by all, Because there was a team that was sort of the dominant team until that team came along. And that team then just dominated. And I recently did a wedding for someone who was on that other team. They're still mad. I just loved it. I wasn't just feeling their pain, but I was enjoying it, to tell you the truth. But to to have labored with keith and to think about god's faithfulness in this place is a powerful thing to me because i have known memorial's last five pastors well dr wade fulton was in miami when i grew up in miami and found out that his daughter was a classmate of mine and a classmate, I think, of one of the elders of Memorial Presbyterian Church. We all graduated together, and this morning I found out that Amy's mother graduated my same year. She doesn't look like I look, but she graduated my same year from the one high school that beat my high school in football in three years. They beat us by one point, and your mother-in-law still remembers that. And she was enjoying my pain. But Keith invited me to talk about this passage of scripture. And and I want to kind of begin by talking about hurricane season. Because it's great to be in Florida. But hurricane season is not everybody's favorite time of year. But there are two terms that physics students learn. And at the beginning of it, they kind of confuse. And one is known as centripetal force or movement, and the other is centrifugal force or movement. And hurricanes kind of have both going on at the same time. Is that hurricanes are low-pressure systems. You may want some no-dos before this gets too far down the road. but So it's spinning counterclockwise, and it's over the ocean when it's hot and humid. And it draws into that core from the outside in heat and humidity. And the hotter it is, the faster that hot air rises up in what they call the eye or the eye wall. And it is spinning faster and faster. The more hot air it draws in, the faster it rises. And then from the top, it has to go somewhere so it is then pushed out from the center so that we get these feeder bands that on the bottom are sucking in hot air and on the top are blowing out thunderstorms that are cold. Well, that rhythm of kind of going from the outside in and then from the inside out is very much a rhythm that we see in the book of Acts. In fact, Jesus dies at one of the great pilgrim festivals, the first one of the year, liturgically speaking. He dies on Passover. He is buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and he rises on the Feast of first fruits of the Wheat Harvest. Seven weeks later is the next great pilgrim feast, which is harvest festival, the full harvest has come in, so people are feeling like it's not a recession. They're feeling like the crop has come in, and they've got money, and they are thankful. It's like our Thanksgiving. So it is a time of feasting and generosity and celebration as people stand back and they see how generous God has been to them, is that all that they have has been given And it's really difficult to feast and be unmindful of people who have less around you. So that whether people are believers or unbelievers or whatever they happen to be, at Thanksgiving around here, they're collecting food. And they want to make sure that the hungry don't go hungry while we're stuffing our faces and eating pumpkin pie and going into food comas thereafter. It was that way in Israel too, is that Pentecost or Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, was a time of harvest and generosity. And in the liturgy of the temple, they would read a couple of different scriptures. They had lectionaries in those days like Catholic churches and Episcopal churches and Methodist and Presbyterian churches often use. And so they would read Ezekiel chapter 1, and I want you to imagine that on the day that they're reading Ezekiel chapter 1, and Jews have come in from all of the known world into Jerusalem for this pilgrim feast, they're reading about the rush of a mighty wind, and the next thing they hear is that freight train sound of wind, like a tornado or a hurricane. And they look around and they see tongues of fire over the heads of the disciples of Jesus standing here, likely on the southern steps, the rabbis' teaching steps of the temple. And they begin to think these people have lost their minds. And they imagine that they have been out partying all night and are completely soused in the bag done. Stick the fork in because they're finished. And, and Peter stands up and says, that is not what is going on here. You should know what you are seeing. Because the prophecy of Joel foretold a day when God would come among his people and pour out his spirit not just on Jews, but non-Jews too. Not just on wealthy people, but on poor people too. Not just on men, but on women too, who would speak authoritatively for God. The Feast of Pentecost became identified because, again, Israel leaves captivity in Egypt on Passover and they journey to Mount Sinai. They cross the Red Sea and they get there. Well, in the mindset of Judaism, they arrive and receive the law at Mount Sinai on Pentecost. That if you look at the liturgy of Judaism today, that Pentecost is celebrated as the anniversary of the giving of the Torah to Moses. It's also remembered as the anniversary of the debacle of that day, when Moses comes down and he sees them dancing around a golden calf that his brother made for them, saying, this is the God that delivered us. Jesus, before the ascension, explains the Old Testament to his disciples, and then tells them to go to Jerusalem and to wait to stay in the city, to be part of that centripetal from the outside in experience, and to wait until they have been clothed with power from on high. And then, he says, you're going to go from there, and you will be my witnesses making my case against a fallen world in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, including West Palm Beach. Well, that's the way the book of Acts is laid out, is that what you see is the Spirit of God is poured out on Pentecost in Jerusalem. And the next thing you see is that the program of Acts 1.8 Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth are then... The circles just keep getting wider and wider and wider. Well, it is... The book is called The Acts of the Apostles, but it really ought to be called The Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Is that it is the power of God that makes the difference... And the verses that Sarah Clare read to you is like the chariot on top of the Sunday. It's intended to be sort of that great denouement after a wonderful story. How How should stories end? And they lived, help me here, happily ever after. These verses are intended to tell you that there has never been a Pentecost like this one because the outpouring of the Spirit not only transformed the community so that what was lost at the golden calf, you remember how many people were slain at the golden calf? Wild guess, 3,000. How many people are added when Peter preaches this sermon? 3,000. They want you to go, you think there's a connection there? oh yeah, is that what didn't happen at Mount Sinai did happen at the Temple Mount. And that Israel has been transformed and shaped in such a way that the kind of Israelites that God seeks are being formed by the power of God. Keith told a story about the generosity of Memorial, thinking about the Meltons, is that adoption, he described, is expensive, and that people in these churches came alongside the Meltons and gave freely to help them adopt this child. That's the story that's being told here, is that people thought more important than their possessions and their personal wealth was the well-being of the community and beyond the community. And as Peter preached, he said that all of the things that used to define life and worship in the city of Jerusalem were no longer going to be relevant. That race, even faith, that gender and position would no longer be relevant within the kingdom of God. That these things were to be put aside as God made one family out of the splintered human family. Well, they, they stay in the city, and, and God does something inside them that begins to do something, and I love that you open the windows or the blinds because what goes on in here is intended to be taken out there. And it's good for you to see out there when you worship in here, is that you come here to hear the word of the king and to have that word written by the spirit of God who inspired it upon the tablet of your heart, that you are to be the temple of the living God You are to be the Ark of the Covenant. You are to be the place where the copy of the law is written so that what you do is motivated by your heart. So that the reason that we sin is because we want to. But the reason that we follow God is supposed to be because we want to. That our greatest joy and our highest purpose is following him. Where's Sarah Claire? I loved, I loved the song Canvas and Clay. Oh, my goodness. For a Calvinist, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, right? It's like, holy moly. Somebody else wrote my story. This is what Psalm 39, 139 is all about, is that before I ever took my first breath, Every day that was ordained for me was written in his book before I ever knew one of them, that my life has a purpose and a direction and a reason for being. I pastored 40 years in North Palm Beach. That's a long time. And I was there because I believed God called me to be there. And then I retired for the same reason. Is that I believe God called me to retire. But I haven't retired from ministry, and I haven't retired from life. Joni Gooley is here. My partner in ministry for years and years. We were younger when we started. But now we have a ministry to grandchildren, which I gotta tell you is like the most fun ministry of all. It is as good as it gets. But we've probably got other stuff to do, too, to represent Jesus in the world. I serve as a trustee at Palm Beach Atlantic University. I chair the Student Development Committee, which talks about kind of life outside of the classroom, which is where a whole lot of stuff happens for students, is that you you learn stuff from professors in classes, but you learn a lot from the people you live with, you learn a lot from the people you have lunch with, You learn a lot about life by being on a campus. And that's kind of what our committee is supposed to think about, is the experience of students outside of the classroom. Well, two guys that are in a book study with me now, Reverend Eddie Nabhan, who grew up in this church, and Bob Gerstmeyer, who is maybe married to some of you all you may know his spouse. Her name is Deborah Schwinn. She's got a fairly significant position here at Palm Beach Atlantic. Well, President Schwinn is a mindful leader. And she has seen kind of the the racial turmoil going around our country since the killing of George Floyd. And she reached out to Dr. Terrell Byrd within the PPA community and asked him to put together an intercultural engagement council, to have a conversation, to talk about, is there ways that we could make the experience of racial and ethnic minority students at Palm Beach Atlantic better? that they might see Palm Beach Atlantic not as an alien culture into which they come, but as their culture. Well, among the things that that intercultural engagement council did was that they asked two professors, Dr. Bird and Dr. Bennett, to engage in a book study over six weeks, in a book that I want to commend to you. It's a very old book, but it's a book that I had not read by Howard Thurman, titled Jesus and the Disinherited. Those of you who like to read, write that title down, Howard Thurman, Jesus and the Disinherited. I learned that when Martin Luther King went to Selma, went to the places all over the South where he was jailed, where he was beaten, where things happened as segregation resisted the integration and equality that was being preached biblically. And they said most of the time you would see Howard Thurman's book in Dr. King's hand. Well, that kind of perked up my ears. And they began this book study, a six-week study, and they began saying we're not gonna start at chapter one, we're gonna start on the chapter on love. And then we're going to talk about the whole flow of the book. And then we're going to end on the chapter on love. Which, frankly, is just like the Bible too, isn't it? Is that God begins by expressing his love as a creator. As a potter. As a former of a sanctuary. And this idea of centripetal and then centrifugal starts not in the book of Acts, but in the book of Genesis, that what we have is that, and this was, again, was talking to somebody just today, thinking about, I'm 70 years old. I don't know how it happened. All I did was get up and have breakfast. But, but at 70 years old, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm still seeing stuff in Scripture that I've read past my whole life and go, how did I miss that? But in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 15, It says that God formed the man out of the dust of the earth and then placed him in the garden. The dust was outside the garden and then he places him inside the garden. Centripetal. Into the sanctuary that he forms where his glory will dwell. I'm like... I've read Genesis 2 how many times? And I missed it. And it doesn't say it once, it says it twice. Is that Adam is put in the presence of God, and then a spouse is given to him, and they are told to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth? Is that the Great Commission is not Matthew 28, but Genesis chapter 1. They are to take what is inside of the garden and expand its boundaries and fill the earth with these creatures who image the God who made us, who make him locally present, who experience in his presence shalom and right relationship and then empowered by his word and spirit are to take it out and experience it out there with others. Well, one of the things that when you retire... And you've been the senior pastor, you need to not be around. Because one of the things that needs to happen in a church is that you need to not be the pastor anymore. So he means you need to back up. John the Baptist talked about this. He must increase, but I must decrease. So pastors are asked not to be around for like a year. So that was easy in the pandemic, because church wasn't meeting anyway. So we had to be somewhere else, and we got to be in church as much as anybody else by becoming what we called pajama Presbyterians. We could be in church online. And then, after the year expired, and about that same time, churches opened up and began to meet again, we were invited to come back. But the new pastor has to become the pastor and the old pastor has to not be the pastor and has to learn after 40 years a new way to be. Well, I thought after reading Howard Thurman's book and hearing this discussion and being invited to be on this council and be part of this conversation, and I got to tell you, I think I'm the only guy with this sort of a look. I'm the only old white-haired white guy there. So it puts me in an interesting seat to have this conversation with most of the folks that are younger than me, folks from various different ethnicities and backgrounds and language groups, and try to help understand the nature of the community that is Palm Beach Atlantic and the diversity that we have represented there and how that diversity could be embraced and celebrated in a way that enables us to love one another better than we do. Well, I thought, you know, one of the great things about being retired is that I'm not working on Sunday. Till today, you know, but, but I'm not working. So I go to the early service at First Pres, and then I go to Living Word Christian Community where Dr. Bird is the preacher. And I gotta tell you, I walked in the first time and it had been 40 years since I was the new guy. I walked in and it felt a little strange. And this morning at Memorial, as I was preaching, I asked, is anybody, anybody here for the first time? And a family, an African American family But these are like African-African-Americans, born in Kenya, first generation in the United States, and they actually were here by mistake, I came to find out. But they stumbled in, and I said, you're new. And they said, yeah, this is our first time. Well, my first time at Living Word Christian Community, I was struck by the music at Living Word is really different than the music at First Pres. In fact, I was warned for this service, you should sit in the back because it might be a little intense for you up front. I have to tell you, after worshiping at Living Word, this is a piece of cake for me. Living Word is loud and strong and whenever i'm there dr bird goes sits me next to him so like we are like right up in the speakers so my head is like pff, pff. the preaching is different the ps to this story is next sunday i'm supposed to preach there and i have to tell you i'm terrified because if you've ever heard dr bird preach I don't preach like Dr. Bird. So I'm wondering if there's no-dos that I can give to them, too. Their traditions are different than first Pres, But what I saw was that the Spirit of God is the same, and the gospel is the same, and Jesus is the same, and the bride of Christ is the same. And they welcomed me like I was their long-lost brother. So I wanted to make these folks from Kenya feel like they were the guests of honor this morning. I think I embarrassed them to tears. They'll probably never come back. But, But that is who we are to be. Is that the church of Jesus shouldn't be the white church or the black church? In fact, Dr. Bird observed something that Dr. King said when I was a kid. He said, You know, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. And I thought after 40 years of ministry, that was still true. And that wounded my heart. And I thought, You know, it's really hard. Jesus said, Love one another as I have loved you. So you are to love one another. And by this, will people know that you are my disciples? And I thought, you know, it's really hard to love somebody you don't spend time with. Really hard to love somebody you don't know. It's really hard to love somebody with whom you have almost no relationship. So it seemed to me I had an opportunity as a retired guy to double dip. I got preached to at First Pres, but then I got preached to by Dr. Bird. And I got to tell you, it's a rich experience. I was blessed. And now Dr. Bird, having taken leave of his senses, has asked me to preach to his congregation please next Sunday. Pray for me. I told him at one point he asked me to say a few words, and I said, you know the words a white preacher never wants to hear in a black church is, help him, Lord. That's my fear of what I'm facing next week is like, help him, Lord. But Memorial Presbyterian Church and Providencia Presbyterian Church have a passion For looking out. And I want to say to you that God has made you not only to come together, but in coming together to be empowered to go out and to make the reality that Joel saw ahead of time a reality now. That you know people that apart from Jesus, you would never know. That you love people apart from Jesus, you would never have known. And that you find what I found. Is that the people who love Jesus, regardless of the things that may separate us culturally, that having Jesus in common makes us members of the same family, kin, ordained in the same ministry and priesthood, and for whatever differences we may have, Having that in common changes everything. So I encourage you to be the heart of the city and to experience as you're going to Tabernacle to work in that garden, remember you're stepping back into the Garden of Eden. That the one who made that garden, made that garden too and has called you to labor side by side with your brothers and sisters in Jesus to make the good news of the gospel known. That's probably all I should tell you, tell you today. Except maybe we should pray and have communion because at this table, there aren't rich people and poor people. There aren't male and female. There aren't Jews and Gentiles. They're just sons and daughters of the royal family, sons and daughters of the king. That's who you are. You're way more important than the world tells you. You matter. Not just for now, but forever and ever and ever. Let's pray.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit providenciawpb.org and click on the give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.